All right, welcome to the MLP podcast. My name is Cody Ahern, uh, VDC manager at MLP Consultant, and we're here with our friend Gary Polzano, the plumbing superintendent at MLP. And today we're going to talk about how subcontractors and general contractors can utilize BIM better and get the most value out of it. Gary, I know you've worked uh, quite a long time in this industry, specifically the uh, plumbing, but I know you've seen it all, piping, probably framing, probably every aspect of, of how a job goes from start to finish. Um, I guess to start, you know, when was the first time you, you saw BIM being utilized on a project and how'd that go? Well, um, <clears throat> one of the first coordination efforts I ever seen was and I don't think I ever shared this with you guys, is back in, when I was in Chicago, I worked at Abbott Labs. And Abbott Labs um, had very smart engineers and architects, and they worked together very well. And one of the things that they would do when they would engineer the job is they would have all their drawings coordinated, which I can't imagine how that coordination had to be, because it was, you know, by hand back then, to some degree. Uh, but they would produce drawings and, and you would have your elevation of where you would run your pipes through the building and the electrician and, and so on and so on. Um, and it worked. So that was my real first introduction to coordination efforts. Um, and that was in the 80s. And then from there, you know, obviously as technology advanced, uh, everything got better and better and better. So fast forwarding to what we do today with the full 3D BIM modeling. Uh, I would say it was some of the projects I started with um, at Luke Air Force Base here in Arizona, where I, I actually worked with MLP uh, and I had work, I was working for a mechanical contractor as a superintendent and working with MLP to um, obtain drawings and, and spool sheets and uh, coordinations coordination effort being done by MLP. So to answer the question, uh, it was in the late 2000s, maybe 2008, 9, 10 in that area. It seems like that's when BIM was really starting to take off and yeah. general contractors started to adapt using it more in, in, the, in the contract per se, where it was required before it probably wasn't required. It was more subcontractors would use it because they they heard it was there was value there but i think now it's it's pretty much required that a lot of subcontractors use it and i think one issue that comes up with some is they don't know who to use they've never seen it before they don't understand it and, and they only <clears throat> they're only doing it to fulfill the, the contract obligations they're, they're not trying to get the value out of them and then they i don't think they always see um the value in it so then they have this negative perspective of them and they they don't really understand it what what can we do better to kind of educate people on on how they can get the most value out of that do you think um i think through a educational process like anything else um by demonstrating what it is about and being able to demonstrate the value in it um I, like a lot of people, I've been in this trade for over 40 years, and I've seen a lot of technologies come 
uh, into the trade over those four years, um, even like with plastic piping, you know, uh, my first initial thought was, oh my God, I, this stuff is, is not good. I, I don't think it's right. And I think that's usually what happens a lot of times when people come in with, or get exposed to new processes or products, they're, they're comfortable with what they do, they know what they do works, and it's hard to um, adapt to new technology and materials. Um, it's not broke, don't fix it, right? Don't. Yeah, exactly, and I, I but I, I'll say personally myself, being on both sides now working at MLP and actually doing the BIM 3D modeling, um, and spool sheets and everything that we can do with scanning. And uh, I could explain to almost anyone very easily the value in it, um, starting with prefabrication. I mean, I, I was not the biggest um, fan of prefab uh, until I had uh, my own hands in it, working with MLP, and adjusting things the way I wanted. And that's when I really saw the value. And when you say prefab, are you talking about just shop drawings or school drawings or bill of materials or the whole thing all together? All, all those things together um, <clears throat> make it easy. And one of the things that I was able to do is when I was a superintendent in the field is I relied on MLP to provide me the bill of materials or as we call it, the bomb. And boy, that saved me a lot of money, a lot of money and a lot of time because in the old days, going through each sheet, sheet by sheet and trying to total and add up fittings, a lot of times in plan view, you can't see everything. Uh, so you're flipping back and forth between schematic ISOs and plan view, trying to figure out that you caught everything where um, in, in the computer programming today, it just spits out every single piece. That saves a lot of time. It opened up for me to be do to do other things and sit there for hours on end, uh, counting fittings and measuring pipe and trying to get um, material ordered. Yeah, most definitely. I think the biggest aspect is making sure you're you're providing whether it be your own BIM department or. Uh, whoever you hire as your as your BIM company, the, the proper drawings and the proper submittals and uh, matrices and all that up front. What can we do to kind of speed that up, I guess? Because it seems like there's a lot of clogged up stuff on the back end, you know, with getting approvals, getting it back from the design team, but then the dates get pushed. So I think one thing we struggle with a lot in BIM to, to get the most value out of it is having those dates aligned with the bin. Yeah, that's, and that's, I feel a, a tough thing to do because um, a lot of times on the project, the end date doesn't change. Definitely not. You know, and so everything that's proceeding gets crunched. Um, and I and I think what, what's happened to the industry is, I mean, BIM works 100%. I mean, it's amazing, but you have to have the time to be able to properly model the project before you start the project. And I, and I mean, I've been on projects before where that's been done and it's worked beautifully. And I've been on projects before where you're doing it as you go. And it kind of gets a little bit dogged down, especially as what you just said earlier about um, 
submittals and having the right information up front. Mm -hmm. that, that's kind of a struggle uh, because a lot of companies like to do buyouts um, and they don't really have their final numbers yet. So they don't really have the um, uh, necessary mechanical uh, parts, you know, or fixtures. And so then you end up blocking things out inside the model because you're not really sure uh, that does help because at least you have it blocked out where you know, you're going to get it in there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, in the perfect world, having everything approved and up front uh, would be the perfect world. But I don't really know that that's, that's going to ever happen because construction is so fast paced now. Definitely. Definitely. It's not going to get any slower. No, it's only going to go faster. So I think, you know, stepping up to where now we're using Revit, I think we've evolved from, from the CAD world. We're much more efficient. Uh, from a BIM standpoint, therefore the expectations are that we finish things faster. <clears throat> when we're able to do that, we can get shop drawings out quick. Mm -hmm. We can get spool drawings out fairly quick. The yeah. materials, hangers, total station points. I guess what's the, the best process in, in order for submitting those things and, and how would you expect it when you were a <coughs> superintendent? Um, so from a plumbing point of view, obviously the first thing is always the underground, uh, which is a lot of times maybe the easiest part, although a lot of people may think that's the hardest part, uh, because a lot of times you're out there in an open field uh, with uh, nobody really around. And with today's technology with Total Station and being able to up to use points, um, and I'm sure we'll talk about this in a minute, uh, the, further advances of the of the tools available for total station um, you can literally go to an open field have the thing uploaded into the machine and put down the points where you need them and you don't even need a surveyor anymore and to me that's huge because if you can do the project when you go out there on a blank piece of land and start digging and installing your underground, it saves so much time. You don't have anybody in your way. You don't have any obstacles of, of a stem or a footing or batter boards in your way or or they already started the underground in one part and they got the walls poured. Um, if you're able to get ahead of it, it is a significant amount of time savings. So at that point, you would, you would essentially need a coordinated underground model yeah. signed off by the general contractor prior to even digging really yeah so th that's the, the that's first huge. step and mm -hmm. if you can acquire that at that point you know you're already ahead of the game and, and it's just maintaining that from there correct because then yes are you, are you prefabbing your underground depending on the situation um yeah i mean i think now prefabbing underground is um there again, it was something that I was never really a, a fan of, but I'll tell you, I've, I've done, I've done several projects, projects just like I said a second ago, where you have the prefab drawings, you have the points, you make, you prefab everything together, you go out there, you dig it, and I mean, you can, you can put down, you know, two to three hundred feet of pipe when it's prefabbed easily in a day, where before you might get a hundred. So there's, there's a significant saving when it comes to underground and prefab, um, and, and it works. I mean, I can, I can say it, I've done it firsthand, it, it works. So are you ordering your, your bill of materials off of the spool drawings or would you request that 
immediately after sign-off along with those total stations? Um, I'd want it right after uh, it's signed off and everybody's agreed, definitely, because, I mean, in today's society with, you know, uh, shortages and you, know, you really need to get that material ordered quick as possible, especially if it's a large job because we've all been through the thing of um, the supply chain hurting the industry to where not, you're not able to get things. So the sooner the better. There's a, another advantage right there of being able to get this done faster and get your order in faster than the six other companies that are behind you. So you get your stuff first. Yeah, that's that's very important. And I think our, our goal at MLP is if the project's right, you know, we have four guys on it. So that when you sign off that project or that level, you got somebody that's working on the build materials, you got somebody that's working on shop drawings, you got somebody jumping on the spools, mm -hmm. and then you got somebody jumping up to that next level because you know the GC's not stopping. As soon mm -hmm. as they sign off the underground, they're like, all right, level one, let's go. Right. And start that whole thing over. So in a, in a perfect world, if you got the right amount of people on it, you're able to work efficiently, we can, we can turn around a signed off level in, in a week with all the needed documents that you would require to successfully implement a perfect binned project. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I mean, if you think about the time frame that you just put out, which is one week, um, you know, back in the day, uh, that would that could be a, a two to four week process, depending on available manpower in the field to do everything that we're relying on computers to do. And and one of the things that, that, that I'm lucky uh, for being coming into the BIM world when I did was um, Revit wasn't a thing until of late, right? So when you started, you were using AutoCAD and um, Revit is, is, it's amazing. I oh, mean, yeah. I did a little AutoCAD, but nothing like you've done. Uh, but I do, I don't, we, we don't even really do any projects in AutoCAD anymore. I think everything's Revit, right? Definitely, and, and with the, the add-ins we have, <coughs> whether it be Evolve Mechanical or BIM360 or just the updates that they've made just in the last 10 years, it's, it's a game changer. Mm -hmm. we, can, we can produce drawings and content five times faster than we ever could in AutoCAD. So, you know, yeah. it, it, can, it can bring the job cost down, the BIM cost down, and make it more affordable for these companies that haven't wanted to utilize BIM. It, it, you might spend a little more money on the front end, but you're going to save a whole lot on the back end. And I think I think that's where, you know, you're going to make your money. I, I agree. And I, I think uh, that's sometimes a hard pill to swallow for a lot of contractors because, you know, contractors that are not using it on a regular basis don't really see the value in it because they haven't done it. Um, sometimes it requires maybe a little bit of a leap of faith to trust the system. Um, a lot of contractors don't want to do that just because, like I said, they're old school, they got their own way of doing things, uh, but there, there's no way anybody could ever tell me that doing it the old way versus the way we do it today is not a labor savings, and that is the biggest cost in any construction uh, project is labor. So I think our goal, you know, on every project is to make sure that we're allowing the, the subcontractor, whoever it may be, to get the most value out of it, whether they've used BIM a hundred times or mm -hmm. it's their first time using BIM. So yeah. 
I mean, you've been with MLP now two years, and what projects have you seen it that you know have been real successful? I mean, I know we can't name the project, but maybe you know give some examples. <coughs> um, so I mean, we've done a lot of things. Uh, we've done science centers. We've done schools. We've done colleges. We've done airports. We've done a lot of medical facilities. So we've really covered the gamut. I believe it almost industrial almost every industry um uh, the only thing we haven't done is residential and that's because it's not necessary but i think we've covered every um industry type of project that there is i i can't think of anything that we haven't really had our hands in so the experience level that we're obtaining is is pretty rapid um because of the, all the projects that we've been exposed to. Yeah, I definitely agree. And with, with the implementation now with, you know, the hollow ones that we have, we can we can bring now that model to the field. Yes, that's so what I was talking about. With tenant right improvements situations, um, I think that's one place that hasn't really worked with them and, and it's gonna, I think, be able to step up huge now when, when you can now bring the model to the field and yes. you can also bring the field to the model with those two things aligning. I don't see any reason why why there would be a hiccup with, with connecting to whether it be pre-existing equipment or pipes or duct or even missing certain structural elements when, when you have that type of technology at your fingertips. Um, when you first exposed me to the yeah, hollow lens, it, it was, I was amazed, pretty cool. uh, blown away where you have this lens you're looking through and you could see the project and it's just like right in front of your face and and one of the things that uh, we did as a um, test was the prefabricated pipe that we did from a spool sheet um, just to touch on that real quick we created a small project with pvc pipe put it together you and i did and um, you loaded you did all the technical end of it loaded it all into the hollow lens and so what ended up happening was when you put it on and you looked at the project that was sitting on the table, it lined up perfectly. And the thing that the thing that that caught me the most about that process was that is the perfect thing for a QAQC Definitely. in a prefabrication area. You don't even need a tape measure. No. That was amazing. You just look at it. It's great. I mean, it was a 10 second look and you're on to the next one. And I mean, that takes longer than that to get a tape measure out. Definitely, and if your field team has one, and you know, out on the, on the jump side, I believe it hooks up to the Trimble Cloud and that mm -hmm. allows you to just basically upload the, your BIM department can be remote, they don't even need to be in an office, and they can upload it directly to that cloud and it's, in the field team's perspective immediately. Yeah, They can Amazing. just refresh, so you can make a change, they can put the goggles on, they can look at the change and say, nope, doesn't work, yeah, it does work. Right, you know, right. It, and if you have a laser skin in there, that's just the total game changer because now you have the field there and the field has you there. So yeah. with everyone going to this, you know, remote working in this new world we live in, you know, I think that's gonna be huge. Because now the field team doesn't have to drive around, get drawings, go back to the office, print it out. You're not putting miles on company trucks. Right. You're not putting money in gas tanks. You're printing not a bunch of paper. Having to use QAQC, you know, losing 20 highlighters on the job site. You know, those little things I think will add up 
tremendously in the, in the long run to where when HoloLens and, and Trimble, you know, start to make some more updates and the, and the software gets a little more user-friendly and mm -hmm. the uh, maybe a little more affordable, not so much sticker shock, I, I definitely see it being huge. <laughs> yeah, well, that's how technology is, right? I yeah. mean, when it first comes out, it's always the most expensive. Uh, and through time, it, it gets uh, cheaper and cheaper. Definitely. But was there anything else you wanted to touch on today before we wrap this up? Um, no, I think we covered a lot of good topics and we'll save uh, some of the other topics for future podcasts. Definitely. You guys take care and uh, thanks for watching. Yeah. Nice sure seeing to, you. Be sure to like and subscribe, wherever it is, on your screen. <laughs> <laughs>